0: Straight from Boston. It's Founder Thought, the show that has everything from advice, ideas, and inspiration from founders and business owners that made it all happen.
1: This episode features Andy Vandenberg, co founder of WeHero, a company partnering with businesses to create volunteer initiatives. We spoke about entrepreneurship, cheddarverse, and how companies can deliver positive social impact.
0: All right, so welcome to Founder Thought. Today we're here with Andy from WeHero. So, Andy, welcome. Uh, tell us in a quick sentence a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, my name is Andy, as you guys said, and I am based out in California, and I am one of the co-founders and CEO of We Hero, which is a business that provides corporate volunteering services to large and small companies. Mm-hmm.
0: Amazing. So um, tell us a little bit about your background. So let's talk first about who you are. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up
1: yeah so I grew up in Wisconsin actually um, oh, wow, just wow. north of a city it, yeah not many people uh, uh, have spent much time in Wisconsin but for me it was the best place <laughs> in the world to grow up I grew up near Milwaukee which is a large city so it had all of yeah. you know the cultural things that a kid could want and really good education but yeah. it was a small town feel and so um, it's an entrepreneurial city heavy industrial city and so it's really like in most Midwestern cities, there's a lot of entrepreneurs whose families started businesses 100 years ago, and yeah. these families oh, wow. still exist. And, and, you know, one of the most important lessons I learned were just how humble all of these people were. Uh, and the Midwestern mm. roots are very real uh, mm. a- and how people act and what they value. And I've, I have this lesson that has been stuck in my brain from Wisconsin is there was a, a CEO of one of the large brewing companies that is based in Wisconsin, As you guys can guess which one. And mm-hmm. I was at a family party and this CEO did dishes for two hours once the party was wrapping up. And I remember thinking CEOs oh, wow. were these gods. You know, he was traveling around the world on private yeah. jets. But he spent two hours on Friday nights <laughs> doing dishes. And so that lesson oh, wow. always instilled in me. And uh, I'm out in California now, which is the land of tech CEOs and entrepreneurs. And uh, I try to retain that Midwestern yeah. root.
2: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And are you a Parker fan? Uh, what's called the team? Uh, Packers. Uh, uh, Packers. Packers. Are you a <laughs> Packers fan? Uh, I have and to more... say
1: I am. Otherwise, the state of Wisconsin will come after me. Um, okay. And, what I'm, do you a... favorite? <laughs> I,
2: and I'm going to be here like there'll be What do you favor kind of cheese?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love a sharp cheddar, specifically okay. from the Sargento
2: <laughs> company. <laughs> So, okay, so now I ask ask my own question. Okay,
0: so tell us a little bit about um, what did you study or how how did you sort of start your your professional career?
1: Yeah, so I went to a small liberal arts school actually in Maine and Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to study. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the great thing about that was my freshman and sophomore year, I took almost every subject matter you could you could be interested in. And I somehow was interested in economics. And so I studied economics and which naturally led me to go work in finance um, after college. Mm -hmm. And there's a very clear career path there. So I I went to go work at Deutsche Bank after school in a rotational program. So I spent nine months rotating between different teams, doing a variety of different things across finance. And I ended up on a team that traded uh, FX, so foreign exchange options and Currency for large companies and hedge funds, mm-hmm. and it was one of the craziest things. I was 21 years old, you know, trading billions of dollars, and it was absolutely out of this world. And that's when I realized <laughs> numbers aren't that interesting to me in the abstract. <laughs> yeah. I, I much more enjoy business and what drives those yeah. decisions, and and that's what really mm-hmm. I loved about the job is understanding okay, why does a company in Europe need to hedge their currency? What what drives that in a business? And so it was really interesting mm-hmm. from that sense, but I knew pretty quickly that this wasn't going to be the career path for me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what was your, what were your, like your goals, your dreams? So you're, you're, you're in finance, you're, you know, you're learning about business. You're saying, okay, this is no way the direction that I want to go, but what was your goals? Like, what were, what were you thinking about doing?
1: I think primarily for me was learn, you know, going Mm -hmm. to a small liberal arts school, you're Mm -hmm. always just at a disadvantage from folks who studied, you know, really specifically for that. And so I just wanted to learn, And so from Deutsche Bank, I actually went to go work at a family office, which the family had sold a business for about a billion, a billion and a half dollars. And there was a team of six people um, that the family had hired to manage their money. And so six people and you could do whatever you wanted. And so for me, I kind of thought this would be the most amazing fire hose. I could go learn from smart people and I could learn about every different thing within investing from, you know, venture backed companies to you know, more stable private equity kind of investing to, you know, we were investing in um, life insurance policies from people who are about to die. And so okay. the fire hose that I wanted to be learning from, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. for me, I was like, okay, how can I just learn as much as possible um, and yeah. take it from there? And, and, and once you guys, once you learn, you start to understand what you like and what you don't like. And I think that's what yeah. um, was most valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So now, how you jump, Andy, from where you, from uh, the family business? Where you're at right now? Because I I saw some stuff. I heard about you. I heard about your partner. But how you jump from there to here?
1: It's a great question. Uh, life is never never works in the way that you think it's going to be. So my <laughs> my wife actually, my wife got a job out in California in San Francisco, and we were really excited to move out to San Francisco. It's an incredible city. But I needed to find a job. Uh, this yep. was before the time where remote work possible. And so I joined an investment firm out here that only invested in um, businesses with profits between about two and a half and $10 million. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing, investing, helping these businesses improve. And on the side, I, I realized, you know, I'm so lucky. Why don't I find a way to give back? And so mm-hmm. I started being really interested in nonprofits and how we can help nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And pretty quickly I realized, You know, it's great if I can write a thousand dollar check every year to a nonprofit, but Mm -hmm. why don't I try to help a little bit more? And so I actually started planning these immersive volunteer or immersive kind of fundraising events in San Mm -hmm. Francisco. And so one of the ones I held was um, what we would know as like a dark dinner. And this was an event that I would just sponsor myself. I'd pay, you know, the couple thousand dollars to host it and I would invite people and have them buy a ticket. So, what you would think mm-hmm. of as a typical fundraising dinner, but I would try to make it really immersive. And mm-hmm. so, there's an incredible nonprofit called the Sankara Eye Foundation, which is based in India. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the United States, if we have glaucoma or cataracts, we can go quickly get a surgery and have it be mm-hmm. fixed, mm-hmm. It's covered by health insurance. The government will pay for it. In India, there are millions of people who have cataracts who are fully blind, who mm-hmm. just can't afford the surgery. Oh, wow. And so, there's, I think it's about 10 million people every year who become blind for for a curable reason. Yeah. And so $15 pays for a surgery to to cure someone's blindness. Wow. And so what I did is I I brought in the nonprofit to speak and we had everyone pay $150 for a ticket. And so we did a completely dark dinner. We were in um, a restaurant, all the lights were off. Yeah. And we served a five course meal. You had to taste it, what it was. And at the end of the dinner, the lights came on and in front of all the the attendees were 10 pictures yeah. of individuals that you had paid for their surgery before and after. So you oh, could wow. see the change in their face of, you know, I'm blind, I can't see to, I'm cured thanks to the money that you donated. Yeah, oh, And wow. so it's really immersive things like that. And the great part is once people saw that, a lot of them donated way more because it was such yeah. a powerful experience. Yeah, And so exactly. I was doing things like that, one, because I like creating, I like building things. And I started to realize yeah. that, but two, I wanted to find a way to give back. Mm-hmm. And at one of those dinners, I actually met my business partner mm-hmm. a- and he said, hey, this has been such an incredible experience. I am thinking about starting a business related to this. Can we grab coffee? Yeah. And so that's kind of how the meeting happened. And And his idea was to take what we had been doing, what I've been doing for individuals and bring that to companies and bring that to the large Fortune 500 companies to help their employees give back.
2: Yeah. So it's so this way you met David from those like the are doing yes Yeah
1: that's how I met Ben um he had been connected ben, to me through a-
2: Yeah he's been or David I'm sorry I'm I'm confused Ben or David He's Ben yes It's Ben, ben. I I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, probably I said uh, something else So you, this way you met Ben now is Ben background is the same idea like is Ben different background or is the same background
1: Different background so he um he was working as a consultant in the product space. So he's more of a product manager, yes. um, but he had more of pure entrepreneurial training. I okay. did not have, you know, the startup training. I had more of the professionalized business background. And so yeah. that was a really good blend of skills um, because I was lacking those skills big time.
2: So now we met guys and they said, OK, let's just start this business. We're here. Now, how you came up, guys, with the idea? I'm curious about the name, how you came up with the name, the idea. Uh, uh, and so let's start with how we came up with the name and the idea.
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the name. Um, the first name was actually Hero Inc. Okay. So our vision was everyone can be a hero. So that's that's our company's mission, that's let people be a hero. And, of course, like most startup people, what's the first thing you do before you have a customer? You buy gear. You buy a T-shirt. And so so, um, my partner's wife was actually wearing the hero ink shirt out. And she has a ponytail that covered the last letter, a C. And so she ended up, it looked like she had the name heroin on her (laughs) T-shirt. Because the C was covered. (laughs) And we quickly realized that is not a good name. We should rebrand it. (laughs) Um, And so we we changed it to We Hero because we believe everyone can be a hero um, in their daily life. And so the business really started by us talking to these companies in the Bay Area. You know, what, we wanted to build a software business. We wanted to build a business that helped companies track their giving, track their volunteering, and encourage more of that at their company. Mm-hmm. What we quickly realized is we were about 10 years too late. So every conversation we had, oh, there's five incredible companies that already do that. Mm-hmm. And so we took a step back and then being really thoughtful about a product, you know, what was the main issue these companies were facing? Mm-hmm. And it was all about how do you actually do the work? There's plenty of software to track it, but if you have a company of ten to 15,000 people, how do you actually get your employees to volunteer? How do you plan all of those events around the world? And mm-hmm. that was the pain point that almost every company had that was spoken to. <laughs> and so that's what really gave us the idea of how can, we, how can we actually make this happen for companies? How can we build these volunteering, build these volunteer events that engage everyone at massive companies?
2: Mm-hmm. Amazing. So now he came up with the idea because I'm I'm gonna talk about David because your background you said the professional background like and David and Chibano background so how you become like uh, a Ben I'm sorry I'm gonna keep calling him David that's it which is, you can call, call David. him David He's, that's yeah. it I'm calling his name David now uh, David that's it so uh, Ben and you because your background the professional uh, background David and Chibano, <laughs> now, what do you learn from uh, what you learn from Ben in this time because I feel some people coming because we see this is our business we see it because we you know we know a lot entrepreneurs we are entrepreneur by we see people coming from a structured place to work with an entrepreneurial environment it's they face a lot of challenges they say okay this not that's not what I expect I think entrepreneur name people a lot of people love it because it sounds like oh you know I'm entrepreneur but really when you get in it's like it's crazy stuff so if you, if you can explain for us what you, what you faced, what you learned from Ben, and what was the change?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question. And I think it's, you know, something I've learned over the last three, four years is so much from that. You know, I think the biggest, the biggest learning is speed to execution. Uh-huh. Um, if I think back to my previous career, you know, let's say we wanted to enter a new market, we would run a consulting study for three months, we would gather data, and then we would invest heavily behind it. -hmm. Whereas we don't have that capital, we don't have that time, and that's actually our advantage Mm -hmm. when we got started. And so, you know, if we had an idea, I would want to build a 10 page plan about that idea, how we're going to execute it. And Ben said, let's just spend three hours tonight, figure it out together. We'll be on Zoom and let's crank it out. And so the speed to market was the biggest learning. Um, I think the other thing, having worked in traditional settings, that, you know, is typically done is perfection is the only acceptable outcome. So I would, I would submit my version to my boss who would edit it and then submit it to another person. And there's really no ownership in that.
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Uh, And you need perfection before you take it to market. Whereas, you know, when you're starting a business, nothing's perfect. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get it to 90% there in one tenth of the time, that's worthwhile doing. Um, And so I think that is probably the two key learnings um, from Ben that, that I was able to get in those kind of initial years.
2: So now, amazing. when you start uh, with when you start your business, you start with here, you know, guys. How you enter the market? It start knocking the door. You call on people. How? Because I feel a lot of people they build a business or they have a great idea. They don't know first how to take it to the market. I think this a lot of stuff. A lot of people have an amazing idea, but okay, now okay, we have an idea. What we do? So when you came up with that, I said, okay, we need to put, obviously you put the plan, you put the action, we said our next five steps, those are our next five action guys. Did you put short term goal, long term goal? What was the goal from you guys?
1: Yeah, I think we didn't set aggressive goals when we got started. Mm. I think our initial goal was what is the product here that actually works? Mm. What is the product that works for these companies? What solves their problems? And then how do we make a business out of that? Mm -hmm. And so the first goal was, you know, we were very lucky being in the Bay Area and having contacts at large tech companies. We went to these companies and said, all right, you said you had a pain point around volunteering. We think we can do something there. And so the first thing I'll say is a lot of luck is involved in this. Mm -hmm. But our original goal was, okay, LinkedIn wants to do something with us. Let's make it happen. Even if we lose money, whatever it is, let's learn from them. And then we we were able to you know do five to ten different kind of customer experiences that were really customized to start, and there we learned okay this is what a product could be this is how much companies are willing to pay for it, and then from there you know you can really leverage your experience and having positive reviews to get a lot of customer introductions, Mm -hmm. and I think you know oftentimes entrepreneurs in general try to scale so quickly Mm -hmm. we took the opposite approach let's do things that don't scale. Let's not try to make a million dollars in our first two months. Let's find out what people actually want and then find a way to execute against that. And then if we can do that successfully, we should scale later
2: in the process. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, uh, so the first six months, what did what, what you discover about yourself? And what did you discover about, like, you know, okay, you know what? I did not know about myself in the first six months as an entrepreneur, because I think this was a challenge. So the first six months, what did you discover about yourself?
1: The most important learning was, you know, that I love love creating businesses. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I had always, in, you know, enjoyed investing in businesses and improving businesses, mm-hmm. but something inside me gets really excited when you take something from zero and build it.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
1: for me, that was a very reassuring feeling and gave me a lot of confidence in the decisions to to chase this. That's one, and that's a very selfish learning um, mm-hmm. But I think it's important to love what you do. Um, I think the the second key learning for me was that you can build a great business that also does great things for the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, having left a profit driven industry where, you know, we really only cared about profit and everything I've ever done mm-hmm. to a business now that, you know, is very much focused on profit. But it's also focused on doing amazing things for the world and our environment and the people in this world. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I never thought that was possible. I thought you make a lot of money and then you donate that money. Yeah. But I think now there's this understanding, and we've been able to build and help other companies build businesses that kind of focus on profit and purpose, and the power of that. and And so, I think that's been the second main learning for me uh, in just the excitement that can come from that and the ability to do that
0: hmm. Amazing. And can you tell us something? Tell us um, one of your most memorable moments during this whole process um, could be a success. It could be a failure. It could be um, just something that's just really stands out that that occurred that, you know, you're, it's always going to stick with you.
1: Yeah, we, we actually have a, a wall of shame um, <laughs> at our company, so Amazing. a wall that highlights all of our failures. Yeah. Um, because we think you need to fail to, to become uh, mm-hmm. to become successful. So I think a moment that stood out to me. Um, to Be really memorable. Um, you know, I think for me, we were we didn't have an office when we started. Mm-hmm. And so we're operating out of our apartments.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and one of the one of the most amazing things was we had um, we kept getting more and more amazing tech clients.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: and um with that you know they want to meet and they where do you send an invoice where do you do all of this stuff
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um we had always listed our apartment addresses as kind of our office headquarters <laughs> and eventually oh, no. we were working with a t- with a tech company um who are the, the key contact lived about a block away from me in downtown san francisco <laughs> yeah and was like hey i recognize this address <laughs> Is there an office building there? I said, "Oh no, it's actually my apartment." But I remember thinking, "How funny it is we were serving a thousand clients or a thousand individuals at one of the biggest companies in the world?" Yeah, and it was from my tiny one bedroom apartment <laughs> in San Francisco with my wife and I. Uh, and so we—that was a very funny uh, moment, I think, in yeah. recognizing if you have a great product, not much, not much else matters.
2: Yeah. So now, when, when because uh, uh, I think Andy talked a few times about you finding out the product. Can you tell us what the process you did, guys, to find out the product? Like, Because I feel a lot of people have the idea, have it, but sometimes even a challenge, like which one, will, because, of, you know, from our experience of it's the same idea was, the product could be going different way in different directions, especially a service of product. You could have it in multiple ways. So what the way, guys, you came up with the product and the direction you did it.
1: Yeah, we we do 100% of our product development when we're starting something new based on pain point discovery. Mm. And so if you have a good relationship with someone, you know, be like, what are you trying to do and what can you not do? Mm -hmm. And so I'll use the LinkedIn example. We would go to LinkedIn and talk to their HR team or talk to their corporate social responsibility team. It's like, what are you trying to do? And they're like, well, we have 300 interns this summer. We really want to show them that LinkedIn prioritizes giving back, but no nonprofits are calling us back. Mm-hmm. We want them to all spend a day out volunteering. We want to all donate on behalf of them, but no nonprofits will get back to us. And it's two months away.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we took that and we were like, okay, the biggest pain point is needing to do this for their employee happiness and recruiting techniques,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but no one is helping them. And, and we kind of discovered by talking to some nonprofits that they just don't have the resources or bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're like, okay, there's a clear pain point on both sides. The nonprofit wants money and volunteers from LinkedIn. They just don't have the ability to facilitate it. And so what we did is we went to LinkedIn and said, hey, we'll build this 400-person, 300-person event for you guys on that day in the summer. uh, And we'll be the facilitator and kind of bring together those different parts. And so by just listening to LinkedIn and what they wanted to do and what wasn't working, we came up with a customized product for them.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. And that product, we ended up taking these individuals to Lake Tahoe to kayak around the lake and um, pinpoint where algae blooms were happening because mm-hmm. they try to get rid of all the, the invasive algae blooms. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really creative way to give back mm-hmm. in, in something that's really fun, right? You're going to a lake and kayaking with your colleagues. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what I would say is, you know, we started doing this, trying to find the pain points for five or six companies. Mm-hmm. And we quickly realized they're all the same. And how do we build standardized products on top of that once you kind of discover, you know, the individual pain that they're all suffering from?
0: Amazing. And what kind of companies do you typically work with? Like, who's the who's on the receiving end? Who's the nonprofit type companies that are getting this work done for them? And how do you choose them?
1: Yeah, so we now have about 30 standard volunteer experiences Mm -hmm. that can be done Uh, in any format that you want. Mm -hmm. And we have built these programs alongside the nonprofit, right? Because we we love giving back, but we're not an expert on clean water in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a cause area that we want to give back to or a company wants to give back to, we will vet 10 to 20 nonprofits to understand with our efforts, which one is going to have the highest impact. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And we're really lucky to operate at a scale now where nonprofits want to work with us because they know we're gonna bring them a lot of corporate clients mm-hmm. and corporate donations. And yeah. so we have a whole team that plans and builds these and, and really vets the nonprofits to make sure they're, they're the, right, the right people to work with.
2: So no, uh, Andy, when, when I looked at your website and I looked at We Hero, you guys, you talk about large event. What this large event? Is this what you did guys for LinkedIn, like the seminar? It was a large event seminar or... Because this sounds very interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah, so our business now is is a few different things. You know, I would say pre-COVID, when the world was all in person, sure. we were doing really customized um, things like what I described for LinkedIn mm-hmm. for companies around the country. Um, and right before COVID, maybe three to four months, we realized, hey, we can't keep flying around the country doing all of these custom events. So how do we actually scale? And so we um, we opened a warehouse and we started shipping you know, volunteer events to different offices around the country. Mm-hmm. And so LinkedIn would have an office in, in San Francisco and Seattle. So if we were doing an event with people in San Francisco, we would ship things to, um, to Seattle and we'd be able to do the event over video conference. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. So the team in this Seattle office could do it and the team in San Francisco yeah. office. And luckily, luckily when COVID hit, we already had a warehouse. And so instead of shipping large boxes to offices, we started shipping small boxes to individual homes. Mm. And so you know if we were putting together water filters to be delivered across the you know different parts of Africa and Indonesia where they struggle with clean water, we would send one filter to each individual house and they would have to construct it during a live events. Mm-hmm. And so post-COVID, we now do a variety of all the things. We fly around to do custom events like that for really large clients. And then we also do hybrid and fully remote events. So if your team has 300 people around the world, we can send things to the every team member and come together and volunteer for an hour with a really educational keynote. Um, and so it's really immersive, but it can be done anywhere. And so we kind of do a variety of all those three different things for companies now.
2: Oh Wow. And guys, uh, David, uh, uh, Andy, now you guys are growing, obviously. Uh, you're growing. you have... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we've been... Go ahead, please.
1: Yeah, no, we've been very lucky. I think um, being able to serve in a variety of ways um, has helped companies keep working with us, and you know we've continued growing at two to three times a year since we two to three times since we we started every year.
2: Amazing. So I do have a question. I think we do have a question about we here, but what carbon hero? Because I saw something about carbon hero, and uh, um, I think you have another business here and uh, been uh, developed together. But what carbon hero?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think Ben and I took a step back and like, what do we want to do? We want to keep making more companies that help people do good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when we started um, maybe about two years ago, we, we quickly realized we ship things around the country um, all the time. And that's really bad for the environment. <laughs> you know, that, you know, the plane trips and the shipping. And we wanted to be a, we wanted to find a way. like, OK, how do we fix that? Yeah. And so there are a lot of things, changes we made to become more sustainable internally. But part of that is also offsetting our carbon. Mm. We, we need to ship things around the country. And so how do we offset the impact of that? Well, we quickly realized while we were trying to figure this out is the only companies that do this are massive consulting companies who charge millions of dollars a year.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's great if you're a Procter & Gamble or a massive company who can afford them. But there's a lot of small companies who want to do do good for the environment as well. And they want to become more sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so we went through the whole process of trying to make ourselves more sustainable using consultants and using different people. And so we said, why don't we bring those people all together and help other small companies? And we basically only work with small companies here, typically under 100 or 200 employees. And we handhold them through the entire process of becoming more sustainable, whatever their product is, and then offsetting the remaining parts of their carbon footprints. In in um in projects that match their mission, mm-hmm. um I can give you an example if that'd be helpful. Yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, because actually before you give me an example, I want is people really care about this because like a weeker, but I I hear a lot of people like I see a lot of people they don't care like uh, let's gas more gas let's do more stuff <laughs> I hear people care like is this big, big issue? because like what I see is different from what I feel.
1: Great question. I think all data shows that companies who have uh, better social missions and more sustainable practices attract better employees as well as attract more millennial customers. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear the millennial customers, you can obviously understand that they care more about this, but that segment of the market is growing faster. Mm-hmm. And so unless you only serve the baby boomers, you need to be focusing
2: on that because that is the future. So- so if you can give us an example about the carbon uh, here.
1: Yeah, I'll give you two quick examples. The first is um, there's a company that manages zoos around the country. Mm-hmm. And so they're the outsource management company for about five to ten different zoos. And they have a bunch of corporate travel. And so they wanted to offset that. And so what we were able to do is we calculated all of that using our team of the, what are their emissions? How do you offset that? But we actually were able to find projects that's specifically related to animals.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so they they protected a portion of the jungle from being cut down that had all of these diverse species in it. Mm-hmm. And so it was amazing to find things like that, as well as we helped protect bison grazing land. Mm-hmm. And so these are projects that help our environment, but they also help animals and plants, which yeah. directly relate to the zoo's mission. Yeah, And so we're trying to find ways to really help companies market this. Because it's a huge marketing potential as well. Oh, yeah. Wow.
2: Amazing. Okay, so now uh Andy, let, let's talk about let me go back for what uh guys when you develop we're here. What's the biggest challenges guys they face in the beginning?
1: I think we are a hundred we're hundred percent bootstrap business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have relied a hundred percent on client financing. Mm-hmm. And so whereas most companies, if you take a lot of money, you don't need to hustle quite as hard. And I would say the first year or two was constant hustle. Mm-hmm. And so that was the biggest challenge. You know, It would have been a lot easier to go raise a few million dollars, hire a huge team, mm-hmm. and grow that way. Whereas we focused a lot more on hiring um, as we grew and really relying on having great customer relationships
2: to help us grow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And uh, what are some things you have learned, uh, try it by fire, a uh, style? Like, you know, you make mistake, you learn it. Uh, we have to try this to make it because I think in the beginning it said something about ninety percent uh, perfect I think actually sometimes what what i I think this is really I like what you said here because I think sometimes the perfection kill is uh, the uh, the success of it because like because so it if just you kills wait on, the
0: progress in general. Uh, because yeah.
2: sometimes I feel people they want to be a perfection and they wait 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 somebody else come with the idea develop it and they already move ahead with it so tell us what you learned from trial by fire.
1: Yeah. I mean, a a story that comes up is we we were we started testing out some email marketing, you know, initially and trying to get new clients that way. And we weren't as careful with the type of people we were reaching out to. And we accidentally reached out to I did. So it's 100 percent my fault. We reached out to someone that also ran a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And this person got very offended by the fact we were offering volunteering and charging for it. Mm which is a common in, in the market. And she wrote uh, a little bit of an angry blog post about oh, our wow. company. And this was maybe like nine months in. And it was, um, you know, what I thought would be a total business killer. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea this person's following. Um, and, you know, it was great to have a partner there that said, hey, don't don't worry about this. Like our companies that work with us love us. Who cares what this random person on the internet says? Yeah. Um, and so I think that was one of those things that's like, oh, we should have been more careful, but it all worked out in the yeah. end. Yeah,
2: amazing. So now your uh, partnership with Ben. I I said his name right this time. I got <laughs> his David name. Penn. So <laughs> your partnership with Ben. Because I like me and Stephen we're partner and we, you know, we have a lot we have multiple business together. It's a lot of challenges there because like, you know, I'm like stubborn sometimes, I'm like fast moving. <laughs> so how guys you come up with the idea between you and you like how how you find the sweet spot between you and Ben? Yeah, like the balance.
1: Yeah, the first thing I'd say is just trust. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to really trust the person and you need to have long-term alignment in what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Um, You know, if you have different long-term goals, then that's going to make things challenging, even if you get along really well. And so I think that's the, you need to have that that discussion early about what are the long-term goals? How are we all going to play our part? And I think it's great to have different skill sets. You know, Ben and I have complete different skill sets. And so we stay in our lanes very well and we have our own strengths. Mm We also have our own weaknesses and and are very transparent about that. And so it's good to have someone to back you up in different ways. Um, But I think it's the long-term alignment that really makes a a strong partnership.
0: Amazing. Um, So tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial lifestyle. So um, what what sort of drives you? Because that's one of the things that we see is often an issue with entrepreneurs in general is – when somebody starts to, you know, get into this lifestyle and to become an entrepreneur, they don't realize that there's a lot that you have to do internally to drive yourself, um, to continue to build and grow, and just invest your time. Um, so, what is it that you, um, you know, what is it that drives you? What is it that um, helps you kind of get out of bed every morning and and really continues to go?
2: Tell us <laughs> about the Wisconsin That's what she's asking.
0: It sounds like a (laughs) chance.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, And it relates directly to like entrepreneurial burnout, which I see so much out in the Bay Area. Um, You know, for me, I spent my first eight, nine years, you know, I would say working a lot of hours Mm -hmm. and and thinking that that would lead me to success working in companies and, you know, having financial success, but not necessarily, you know, happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad actually passed away when I was a sophomore in high Mm -hmm. school. And he was the exact same. thing. He worked so hard. He was always at the office, you know, missed a ton of things um, because he wanted to provide for for, for my mm-hmm. family and, and, you know, and really glad he was able to do that. But I think about my life and, you know, if I were to die early, mm-hmm. you know, would I want my life being spent in the office working for someone else? And so for me, I don't have aims to become a billionaire through being an entrepreneur. I do this to control my lifestyle. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I love building things. But if I'm building things from eight in the morning till midnight every day and don't have a balance, uh, I think, you know, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, And so for me, I'm driven every day to build a life where I can spend time with my Mm -hmm. family um, and do things that I really enjoy. And so for me, that that is what I find to be the most important kind of underlying long term driver in in why Mm -hmm. I do this.
2: Amazing. Okay, so now I actually, I'm gonna ask one more question I'm about we be here before we jump first. You guys, when you launched, did you have any competitor?
1: We had uh, a few existing competitors. Um, there were two to three in different cities around the yeah. country, um, but no major competitors um, that kind of operated the market. And so it was it was a really good time for you know business like ours to start mm-hmm. because the market was growing really mm-hmm. fast and there were no incumbents. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a, a fight to be the, the brand that everyone wanted to work with.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, and is that, so just to talk about the combat, is the rest of the competitor growing as fast as you're growing guys? Or guys, you now like, you are the people for this in the market, or you hope to be?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting mix in the market. There's three or four people who do similar stuff to okay. us. Um, there's one who I would say is a direct competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, who has been a legacy player? They've been around for fifteen mm-hmm. to twenty years, and I would say have remained relatively flat over the fifteen and twenty years. They have a great client base. It's five ten people. Uh, the two founders probably make a great living, um, but they're not aggressively mm-hmm. growing. And then there is there's one to two software players who do this. And so instead of doing hands on volunteering, where you get something delivered to your house or you go to a you know you go to your company office or you go to Lake Tahoe. Um, they do everything virtually Mm -hmm. and these companies popped up in Mm -hmm. COVID because people wanted to volunteer virtually during COVID. And so those companies grew really fast, you know, at the start of COVID, but it's somewhat flatlined given the fact that people are zoom fatigued Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but overall the, the market is growing really fast and there's space for a lot of people at this point, um, given more and more companies are prioritized.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, one more question about we hear. Now, one thing we, we need to know, like uh, we cover a lot of stuff about we hear, but one thing you think we should know about we hear, what do you think we should know? Yeah, so the one
1: thing I would think you need to learn, to, to, if we hear a close tomorrow, what would be valuable is that all businesses are better when they deliver social mm-hmm. impact and getting leaders to really understand the ROI mm-hmm. of that. You know. If, Companies think about doing a fifty thousand dollar volunteer experience. You know that seems expensive, but it's actually really cheap, right? You get an employee happiness. You know, you get a lot of a lot lower turnover from employees, mm-hmm. as well as what that does to your brand when you can market mm-hmm. that. And, and so those three things, not to mention the amount of impact you deliver yeah. and help the world, and, and and all of those things are so powerful. And so the more companies that can understand that. I think the better the world is going to be and the better the business world is going to be as well. I,
2: I do have one more question about what right. we I know probably we, we need. Is there <laughs> one more question? Because actually it's a very interesting concept because you do have the event and this stuff, but also I saw something about hiring or placement people in the jobs. Is this a huge part of what you do guys?
1: Yeah. So it's another business that Ben and I started mainly because people were reaching out to us and saying, Hey, I'm recently graduating college or I, worked at a big company for the last 10 years, and I want to transition to building a career around kind of social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And like, do you know where's hiring? Do you know where's, where to find jobs? And ultimately, we don't hire that often. We, we don't need that many people yeah. to keep growing, thankfully. And um, so we we didn't really know where to send them. And we quickly realized, okay, we have thousands of people who want these kinds of jobs, as well as this is one of the biggest areas for companies to hire mm-hmm. in the future. And so we, we created a website really just to facilitate that it's called the Impact Job, and it's really a place where people, recent graduates, or you know, later in their career, can find opportunities in sustainability and social impact. And so, um, we actually just launched this about forty-five days ago, and we've got you know thousands of people on this website that want um, that want to hear about new jobs oh, wow. being launched. So it's um, it, it's not really a, a primary business for us; it's more just a place to allow meeting of you know companies. Yeah, and that's talent.
2: great, though. It's okay. a good resource. Uh, now, uh, uh, Andy, do you have uh, do you have a mentor?
1: Uh, my brother is my mentor. he He is one of the smartest people i I know, and he thinks very differently than me. so as i um as I like to run ideas by him, um I often get the exact opposite of what I'm thinking in my head, <laughs> and I think that's really yeah. helpful. I don't need to agree with him, but I need to understand all the different sides, as well as he's just one of the smartest people I, I know and hardest worker. and so, uh, it's good to to have him to look up to and understand.
2: And uh, so, if because this what I will uh, I will actually a lot of people sometimes come ask me like, okay, how to become? Because a lot of people want to become business owner, and entrepreneur, and founder. But I didn't think any, everybody understand how much a challenge, how much he. It's a challenge, even if you don't work. Because the sauce comes with it. So what advice would would give me was they thinking to jump on this, they think they want to open the business because I think anybody can do it, but you wouldn't to have to set up your mindsets to do it.
1: I think it's about understanding what your strengths are. You know, if I think about myself as an entrepreneur, without Ben, I probably wouldn't have had that early product mm-hmm. development strength. And so what would have been right for me is to go out there and buy mm-hmm. a business buy a small business and become an entrepreneur that way. That business already had product market fit. I could have grown Mm -hmm. that way. If you're really creative and know how to build products, then you should start your own business. And so what I always try to tell people is there's no need to start something unique. There are so many amazing companies out there and they're neat competitors. And so find something you're really good at and a strength that you have and try to focus on that.
2: That's this great. is actually good. I, That's great. Uh, good yeah. advice. Actually, yeah, good advice. Okay. Uh, do you want to jump into a rabbit question and we'll come back for more questions?
0: Yeah, I think we can wrap up with some questions at the end. if there's yeah, anything else. Yeah. All right. Because I
2: still have a few questions, but. Okay, I'm nervous now. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Prepare yourself. I'm nervous for the rabbit uh, no, question. I think they're, they're, fun. they're very easy. It's very fun, actually. It's That's not it. like
0: trivia. <laughs> um. All right. So what's your favorite food?
2: Uh Cheddarwurst. <laughs>
1: What, this, what the heck is it it's cheddar a Cheddar it's, it's a Bratwurst stuffed with cheese. I'm saying that for the Wisconsin connection.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll skip past that one. <laughs> is this, is,
2: uh, it's, what this I never heard this. What this? Is this food like available everywhere? It's uh, just only Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> yep. I never heard this. Before. No, but it's available everywhere. You can go to your local grocery and it'll be called a Better Cheddar. It's made by Johnsonville.
2: Oh, oh okay. So I, <laughs> okay, now I have to try this now.
1: All right. Do you have a favorite movie? I have never laughed as hard as when I watch Austin Powers. So I would say <laughs> the Austin Powers
2: series. Okay, great. No, you see, I never thought Andy would be the best and watch Austin Powers. But now <laughs> <laughs> something we learn and you something. Okay.
0: Um, do you have a favorite kind of music?
2: Yes, I like reggae and
1: country music. Uh, wow. Cool. That's amazing. It's a
0: very two different ends of the spectrum. Interesting. <laughs> Are you a tea or coffee person?
2: Exclusively tea. Tea. What do you favorite kind of tea? Green tea? Jasmine green. That is, okay. Cool. Oh.
1: Great. Are you a day or a night person? I'm a morning person. Best work done between 6 wow. a.m. and 10 a.m.
2: Amazing.
0: Amazing. Um, do you have a favorite book?
1: Um, it's a book called The Life You Can Save. Uh, it was transformational in my thinking. It's a book that talks about how every individual in the developed world can change an individual very easily. They can change the world. You know, it mm-hmm. it shares a lot of examples it's by Peter Singer and it shares examples of, you know, if you go to your Starbucks coffee and you buy a $6 coffee, uh, you could, instead of buying that coffee, make a coffee at home and donate those $5 and you will likely provide school fees for um, a girl in Africa for six six months.
0: Oh, and wow. so it, it
1: gives a bunch of examples like that um, about how how an individual an, can change their change lives. What's,
0: what's the name th- of it one more time? One more time.
1: The Life You Can Save by Peter Singer.
0: Mm. Excellent. Okay. Yes. Check that out. All right. Tell us one person who inspires you.
1: Um, A guy named Felix baldoff lenchen He is building um, an AI machine learning company to uh, identify and um, predict tumor growths in lung cancer. Oh, wow. um, he is dreaming very big and he is, Solving a Problem That the Entire World Needs, um, based in Toronto, Canada. Oh, wow. And how do you know him? He is someone I know from college. Oh, cool. Oh, wow.
0: Cool.
2: Amazing.
0: Um, So what do you think about setting goals?
1: Yeah, I'm a big believer in goals. I I set goals two ways, one being, you know, five and ten year goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then we set annual company goals. But -hmm. for me personally, what I do is I only focus on the outcome because I don't really care how I get there. Ultimately, yeah. I want the outcome to, to happen. And so I set quarterly goals for myself, typically six categories, mm-hmm. and I review them every single Friday afternoon. Oh wow. oh, wow. And so once a week, I see, did I make progress on these six things? And then I yeah. set, what do I need to do next week? What's the most important thing to do next week? Mm-hmm. And so I review those every week. And then at the end of the quarter, I look at my progress and I set the goals for the next quarter. Hmm. and this is goals for my business as well as my personal life
0: yeah cool. oh wow so the six goals are a part of both or are they six goals here six goals here just six goals in general goal. you cap it at six goals you're saying
1: okay it's six categories so i have six We Hero as a category i have my yeah. personal life and health i have yeah. other things and so um yeah. it kind of incorporates everything so it's six categories and there's goals under each category amazing um, but I want to I want to be able to review them in in less than fifteen minutes every Friday.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, that's great. Um, are you a dog or a cat person? I'm a cat person. Cat person. Why? <laughs> or do you know the answer to that?
1: <laughs> uh, I got a cat for my sixteenth birthday, which everyone always laughs at. But uh, I think it's the it's the ease of care. Uh, yeah. I think I would love to have a dog later in life, but right now, it's a cat would be a lot easier to have.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. We, I actually, I had a cat called Boston, actually. just was the craziest cat I ever <laughs> have in my life. It was a cat from was, it, like, was a nightmare <laughs> cat. Anyway.
0: All right, what's your biggest fear? Heights. Heights. Yeah, I can concur with that.
1: And probably, you know, more serious fear is not doing anything with my life. Not, mm-hmm. not doing something exciting that, you know, when I look back when I'm 75, that I uh, didn't try to do cool things
0: yeah absolutely um two more quick questions so um um what do you miss most about being a kid
1: the constant excitement of discovering new things
0: yeah and the final question is one word that describes you
1: we should get my wife on this she would have a better answer probably (laughs) um I'm going to use a hyphen in my word. I'd say quiet consistency. I'm not a very talkative person. I'm Mm -hmm. much more of an introvert, um, but it's just consistency of action that I think um, is typically what, what I think of of myself.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. All right, great. So now we're on to the next segment. So complete the sentence and there's not as many of these as there are questions. Um, So when I started my business, I wish I knew blank.
1: How to dream bigger. Oh, cool.
0: Leadership for me is about what?
1: Leading by example.
0: Okay. Uh, The one thing that makes a great team member is?
1: Solutions minded.
0: Challenges in life or business are what? Temporary. That's a good one. In five years, my business will be?
1: Helping a million people a year.
0: Amazing. The person with the most influence on me is
2: probably my wife. Great. Good answer. <laughs> Safe answer. So
0: um, I want my legacy to be
1: focused around family.
0: Great. Yeah. Um, the best advice I would give someone is
1: you build your own destiny every single day.
0: Amazing. And if given the opportunity to do differently, I would do what?
2: Experiment more. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, so we finished this question. We're oh, done with the questions. I do have a question for you, uh, Andy, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we hope this was fun. as uh, fun for us. But anyway, we let's jump back. I do have a question. Do you have a favorite quote?
1: Favorite quote? quote. A favorite quote. Quote. Uh, I, I have a... It's a very long quote. It's a quote by um, George Washington right before he died. And the quote is about... Um, You know, for all the mistakes that I've made in my life, I don't want people to. um, I want people to understand that um, my actions always had the best intentions. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, It's a much longer quote. I can't remember it word for word, but I think uh, it's a powerful statement in that, you you know, you want to be remembered for your goals of what you were trying to do, not what you actually did.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Amazing. Amazing.
1: So, uh, okay. (laughs) what we have us for.
0: So then just to quickly wrap up. So what does the future look like for you personally and for the business?
1: I think the business will, will continue growing um, and continue helping more and more companies. And we're, we're trying to find ways to, you know, we work with fortune 1000 companies. We're trying to find more ways to work with midsize and small companies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of keep expanding the the types of companies that we can support. Um, we are, heavily investing behind the psychology of volunteering and so you know if you do a volunteer event you know you do great good in, in an hour or two mm-hmm. but how do we change the nature of someone's mind and so they want to volunteer and give back more and so how do we um alter people's mental states so they become more empathetic mm-hmm. so they want to do more and more of this and that's ultimately our goal is to turn a single volunteer into someone who's passionate about giving back and so Investing a lot behind that over the next. So actually, years.
2: this I do have a question for you, uh, uh, Andy because you talk about volunteer. I'm mean, like I'm thinking about our company, like we small company, ten people, whatever the size. A company like us, how we can like, uh, like you know, talking what, but how we can volunteer like what bigger companies they do, or companies they can invest. Like how we can do it in you know smaller budget. It's a lot of stuff. It has yep.
1: Yeah. So the the typical example we use is small companies traditionally volunteer, you know, once a year around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage all small companies to try to, if they have nonprofit relationships, call them and say, Hey, could we come volunteer for a day? Can mm-hmm. we go work at the local Boston soup kitchen, or you know, volunteer, you know, after school at, uh, to to help students tutor them? Um, we think that's amazing, and that's the most budget friendly option. Mm-hmm. Once you have more than like 15 people, it's really hard to do that because a nonprofit won't have capacity. They'll mm-hmm. say, we cannot have more than 15 people come in. And so that's when we, we come in and we start building more customized events. Mm-hmm. And what I would tell people is you want to give your employees as many opportunities to volunteer. And so <clears throat> with every company, let's say you're a, you know, a marketing agency, what are your employees really good at? they're good at creating copy, they're good at working with companies on brand positioning, then you should allow them to give those skills back to local nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And so we help find ways for, hey, your employee could donate three hours a month to help a local nonprofit um, build better branding or adjust their copy on their website, things of that nature. Um, And so you kind of slowly do that. Mm. Um, Some companies just say, hey, we don't want to do any planning and coordination. Just plan an event for us and we'll ship it to your office and you guys will have fun doing it. Um, and so that's another way we help a lot of small companies, but we really value on aligning things to a company mission. Mm. So what
0: impact do you have, uh, do you want to have on the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's helping the million people Mm. in Mm -hmm. in the next few years, um, through our events and the, the type of impact we can have.
0: Amazing. And if someone is looking to learn more or to get in touch, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, feel free to reach out to us on our website, wehero.co. I'm on, on Twitter. And so feel free to message me on Twitter um, if you're trying to get in contact with me directly.
0: Amazing. Any other questions, Oz? I think we're done.
2: Oh, I think we're done.
0: Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> joining us. This was great.
2: Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Okay.
1: Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for having
2: me. Thank you for
1: listening to Founder Thought. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at founderthought.com. Founderthought is a production of Pepper Gang.